0: And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. An interesting account that also happened in Bethany. We have the account of the time when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with that precious ointment and created a stir because they all thought the ointment cost too much to be wasting it. It should have been sold and used to take care of poor people. That's what they said. And Judas led in that complaint. Not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he loved money, and he was the treasurer. Our attention in this great text, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through the end, our text focuses for us on this woman named Martha. So we shall look carefully at the text before us. It's rich, and I'm sure that when our time is up, we will have only begun to explore this great text. The Bible says in our text that Jesus was received into the home of Martha. In our passage... The Bible says, Martha received him into her house. That's a significant phrase. Martha received him into her house. I guess we should start thinking about that expression by turning to Luke chapter 19. You may recall in Luke chapter 19 is when there was a man named Zacchaeus who climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. He was short of stature. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 at verse 5, Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. That's what Martha did. She received him into her house. That's what Zacchaeus did. He received Jesus into his home and he did it rejoicing that Jesus Honored him by visiting in his house. And it was a controversial thing. The people around began to complain because Jesus had gone home with a man who was known to be a sinful man. And Jesus solved that predicament for them. But Zacchaeus, like Martha, received him, and he received him joyfully. Now, I'm going to turn to the 17th chapter of Acts. In Acts chapter 17, I'm going to read a passage there about another time when a man was received. In Acts chapter 17, at verse 4, the Bible says, Some of them that believed, And consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also, listen, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus." They were about to do harm to this man named Jason because they said Jason received Paul and Silas into his home. One version of the New Testament says, the New King James Version said, he harbored them in his house. That is, he provided them a place of safety. He harbored them in his house. It was a controversial thing that he did. To help Paul and Silas escape their enemies, he endangered his own life. He received them. He harbored them. And one version of the New Testament says he received them secretly into his house. Well, that's the same language that's used about Martha in our text when the Bible says Martha received him into her house. That's what Jason did for Paul and Silas. He received them secretly and hid them to protect them from their enemies. That gives us an idea about what Martha did when she received Jesus into her house. It was more than just a hospitable thing she did. She put her life on the line. As well as the other people who were there. James chapter 2. There is a woman mentioned there who's from the Old Testament named Rahab. Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. You remember that Old Testament account? Two men were sent into Jericho to spy that city. When the officials found out that the two men were inside the city, they began to look for them. And this good woman had taken them into her house knowing the price that might be paid. And when she knew that the officials were coming for those two men, she hid them, took them up on the roof, and covered them up. And when those men knocked on her door, she said, I do not know where they are. She was telling the truth. She didn't know where they were. But she told them, I'm going to provide a way for you to escape. When I send these officials out on a wild goose chase, I'm going to let you down outside the wall so you can escape and go another route home. All of that was encompassed in the language of James when he said, She received the messengers and sent them out another way. She received the messengers. Jason received Paul and Silas. And Mary, Martha, Martha received Jesus into her house. Now all of that's involved in that statement. It was a great risky thing that she did. She received Jesus into her house. Now this statement in our text in Acts chapter in Luke chapter 10 the bible says Martha received her into his him into her house but Martha was cumbered about much serving there's a phrase that we need to talk about Martha was cumbered about much serving One version of our New Testament says Martha was distracted by her much serving. Overburdened. Hard at work. Back in the Old Testament, when Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom and he was under attack by Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, God sent a messenger to King Ahab and said, I'm going to deliver Ben-Hadad into your hands. I'm going to let you take him and do away with him. Well, as things worked out, God provided a great victory for the army of the northern kingdom. And Ahab rejoiced in that great victory. And Ben-Hadad, the other king, came crawling on his hands and knees to Ahab and said, please spare my life. Remember, we've been good friends through the years. And the king, Ahab, spared his life. A prophet was sent to king Ahab but he came in disguise. He said, to ben, he said to Ahab, the king, I was assigned a mission in your army. They brought a prisoner to me and they said to me, you keep him safely and your life depends on it. If you let him escape, you will pay with your own life. That's what this prophet in disguise said to Ahab. And Ahab said, well, you've already said what ought to happen to him. He said so much, his life is supposed to be taken. Only then did the prophet make known to Ahab that he was the one who let the king go. This prophet, talking about that that prisoner he'd been given, said, as I was busy here and there, he disappeared. Now, Ahab, you're smart enough to get what I'm telling you. You're the one who let the prisoner go, and you did it in disobedience to God because you were cumbered about much serving. You had too many things on your plate. You were trying to take care of too many different things at once and you spared the life of a man whom God said you were supposed to destroy. Well, this is the problem that Martha had. She was cumbered, overburdened, hard at work. Her chores were piling up on her. So the statement's just made. Martha was distracted from what she should have been doing. She was distracted by all of the burdens she was carrying herself. Now, if you and I get to the place where we think we identify with this woman, that's good. That's what the Lord meant for us to do. Martha's the one. She was taken away from the focus she should have had on the Lord there in her home while she was preparing a meal for him. Now look at this phrase. The Bible says, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him. There's Jesus in her house and Martha came to him. The The force of that, we must not miss. She stepped up to him. It was a sort of an explosive moment. She stepped up to him. In Luke chapter 20, just a few verses over. In Luke chapter 20, at verse 1, The Bible says it came to pass that on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel the chief priests and scribes came upon him with the elders and spake unto him saying tell us by what authority doest thou these things and who is he that gave thee this authority? the chief priest and the elders, that verse says, came upon him. All of a sudden, they rushed into his face and they said, what are you doing here? And who gave you the authority to do this teaching? It was a confrontation. If we can understand that, we get some idea about what Martha did. Martha rushed up to him right in his face. She was upset. She was disturbed. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, in the early church, this passage helps us understand Martha's attitude. As they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon him being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of the men was about five thousand. Here are the officials in Jerusalem who heard that these men were preaching and teaching on the streets of Jerusalem and in the temple, the resurrection of Christ. And the Bible says, when they heard that, they came upon them. And they laid their hands on them. And they put them in jail. That's what Martha did when the text says she came to him. She was upset, she was disturbed, and it was time to do something about it. Chapter 6 of the book of Acts. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the Word. Now later in that chapter, listen to this. This is Stephen. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned, that is, they bribed men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against the Lord. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witness, which said this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place. You see what they did? The Bible says they came upon him. That's what Martha did to Jesus. She came to him. They came on Stephen. And they caught him. They got right in his face and said, Stephen, enough is enough. We don't want this to go on any longer here. They came on him. They came to him. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Suddenly, all of a sudden, this happened. That's what happened to Jesus in the home of Martha. Suddenly, Martha was in his face. Back in the Old Testament in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 12, This is the occasion when Aaron and Miriam had complained against Moses and said, we have as much right to lead these people as Moses does. They threatened Moses. Now you listen to this. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses
1: and unto Aaron and
0: unto Miriam. Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. The Lord came down the pillar of a cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. He said, Hear now my words. He put them in their place. All of a sudden, he said, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, you get yourself down here in front of me right now. I've got something I need to talk to you about, and it won't wait. That's what Martha did when she came to Jesus. She was upset. And so now, as we continue to read from that text, the more we read it, the more things come to mind. And in that passage in Luke chapter 10, the Bible, the Bible says, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? That's a, that is... A, a confrontational subject. Lord, don't you care anything about me? You get the force of that? She's right in his face. Don't you care anything about me? Well, she was questioning the Lord. When the apostles were with Jesus out on a little boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a storm arose, And they were all afraid for their lives, and Jesus was asleep. And they awoke Jesus and they said, Carest thou not that we perish? We thought you cared about us. We're about to die in this storm, and you don't care. So, this was not the only time Jesus was accused of not caring. Don't you care? In the 18th chapter of Acts, in the city of Thessalonica, in Acts chapter 18, in the city of Thessalonica, where Paul had preached the gospel of Christ, I'll find that text in a minute. in Acts chapter 18 and at verse 12. When Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will not be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio, the deputy, cared for none of those things. He said, go ahead and give him a good beating. I don't care. I'll look the other way while you do it. He didn't care what they did because he thought that this ruler of the synagogue deserved a good beating. He didn't care. And Martha said to Jesus, you don't care anything about me. John, chapter 10, verse 13. The hireling flees because he's in hireling and careth not for the sheep. This guy who's just hired to do his job, when danger comes, he doesn't care about those sheep. He's going to run for his own protection. He doesn't care. That's what Martha accused Jesus of. Jesus didn't care about her. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 9, Paul wrote, It is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? God care about these animals? Does God take care of oxen? Well, he's making a point for them. Surely if God is concerned about these animals, the church ought to be concerned about the welfare of the men who are preaching the gospel. Don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Don't fail to support those preachers of the gospel who are giving their life to that work. God cares about oxen, but that's not the point. Christians ought to care about the welfare of gospel preachers. So here is the reproach that That Martha threw at Jesus, got right up in his face, and said, do you not care? You can just imagine, perhaps, that Jesus bit his tongue and did not respond to her in kind. What are you so upset about, Martha? Jesus, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone. There there was her problem. Now, you know, it's an unusual thing that uh, she wanted Jesus to solve this problem. I've got a problem here. My sister has forsaken me with this work to do and I want you to solve it for me. (laughs) You best not get mixed up in domestic affairs. You remember that boy who came to Jesus and said, I want you to talk to my brother so that he will divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said, I wouldn't touch that for anything. That's not my business. I didn't come to settle disputes like that. I'm sorry. (laughs) But Martha put one in his lap. Here's a problem. My sister has left me. And I want you to do something about it. My sister has left me to serve alone. I remember what Paul said about Demas. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's what Martha said about her sister. She's left me. She's forsaken me back there in the kitchen. And I'm upset about it. So I want you, Jesus, to do something about it. You know, in Revelation 2 and verse 4, Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of its place. Jesus said to that church, you've left. Martha says about her sister, she's left. I'm here by myself. I I can't understand what you're saying. Are we sure that when Jesus says to the church that you left and he's saying to Martha what what that, that sign? Are those two compatible? Well, it wasn't what Jesus said, it's what Martha said. Okay. Martha said, My sister has left me. Same word. I, don't, I can't hear you. Why do those passages contextually lie down? What, what is the point in the middle where they meet? The point I'm making is that Martha said, my sister has left me. In order to understand what that means, we borrow some other passages where the same thing happened. The church at Ephesus left her first love. Just like Martha said, my sister has left me. So here's the uh, here's here's the situation. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That was in connection with Jesus trial. He looked around and his people were not there with him anymore. Martha looked around for help and her help was not there. Mary was in the other room with Jesus. Now, get this. We won't, we won't get through with this text. Bid her therefore that she help me. And we'll go back to this thought again. Martha says, I want you to settle this. You bid her that she help me. Bid. I need help and I want you to send her in here to help with me. Now, just briefly, here's what Jesus finally said. It's time for him to speak. And he says, Martha, Martha. Martha twice. Just outside Damascus, when Jesus appeared to Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He called his name twice. In other words, I want your attention. Saul, Saul. Jesus used that language to Peter. He said on one occasion, Simon, Simon. Satan hath desired thee that he may sift you as wheat. You listen to me, Peter. Simon, Simon. Martha, Martha. You hear your name called twice, you know that somebody is trying to get your attention. Thou art careful and troubled. There's there's the there is the Part of this whole text. Martha, you're careful and you're troubled. Mark, in Mark chapter 13, at verse 7, Jesus said, When ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Don't let these things trouble you. And Jesus said, Martha, that's, that's the heart of this problem. You're troubled. Anxious. Careful means anxious. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Carefulness. Do not be overcome with carefulness. One version of that passage in Mark chapter 13 says, uh, Do not be alarmed. Don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. Another one reads, Don't be frightened. And still another one has translated it, Don't be disturbed. Don't be troubled, don't be disturbed, don't be frightened, frightened because of these world events, because these are not the things that are going to tell you that the end of Jerusalem is nearby. Thou art careful and troubled. About what? Well, there's a phrase that we can talk about from now on. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Many things. Take heed and beware of covetousness, Jesus said in Luke 12. For a man's life consists not of the abundance of the things which he possesses. Thou art careful and troubled about many things things. All these things shall be dissolved. Peter said, seeing all these things shall be dissolved and won't be around permanently. And those are the things you're concerned about, careful and troubled over. In 1 Corinthians 4, uh, the Bible says, beginning at about verse 16, uh, Though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. Things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. So Jesus said to Martha, one thing is needful. You know, you can read all kinds of comments about this text. One comment I read said something like this, I don't believe it touches it, but Jesus was not concerned about a big sumptuous meal. Martha, you're getting a table ready and it's got peas and it's got corn and it's got squash and it's got two or three kinds of meat, and it's got cornbread. Many things you're concerned about. And as far as I'm concerned, one thing would be enough. Just one dish would be plenty. Well, that may be the metaphor Jesus used, but deeper than that, Jesus said there's one thing, one thing that's needed. And that, of course is to put the Lord first in your life. And you've let these other things distract you from that. One thing is needed. What a great lesson that is for us. One thing is really necessary to us. That's to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The Lord will see to it that we have the things we need But the main thing is to seek first the kingdom of God. So, perhaps Jesus really summed this up for us in Matthew chapter 6. When he said, lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor do thieves break through and steal. For where a man's heart is, there will his treasure be also. Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. And Mary's laying up for herself treasure in heaven. It won't be taken from her. She's sending it on ahead. Now, I've gone five minutes past the time when you told me to stop. So I'm going to turn this class back over to you. I'm afraid we're holding up. We're holding up the train.